Hey folks, welcome to the Redneck Country Podcast. It is podcast time, and I am on with the always, almost guy, real redneck yeah. Bill Tom. Bill, how you doing? Outstanding. Beautiful day for, uh, for a podcast, and uh, it's uh, I'm doing well, doing real well. Doing well. It's a beautiful day for a podcast, a beautiful day. Anyway, yes. how was your week? What's new? I haven't really talked Whoa. to you on the side. Like, is a, a lot of times we'll message back and forth and, and stuff like that. And technology today allows us to do that. But this week, I we just haven't we haven't really connected. So no. what's new? What's going on? And even though we didn't have a chance to connect, you still managed to chirp me on Facebook for my my choices of <laughs> beverages on the weekend. But I, I got it. I'll explain. I'll explain <laughs> for all those. If you yeah, have a chance well, to see. when you get a picture. <laughs> of wicked looking awesome chops you've got this i'm gonna say a, a weber because i know you're a weber certified guy I, I guess i'm not gonna call you a chef can i call you a chef grill man no I, no no way don't call no. You a chef. <laughs> so and then in the picture is this wine glass all daintily held <laughs> and so yeah. i'm like what the flip if it isn't tea it's out in the, in the laneway with my wine glass <laughs> it's out in the driveway with my my redneck table uh that i think it was commented on by somebody there but we did uh we did a, a feast and an absolute we started at three o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday and just rolled it right through till about six thirty, seven o'clock at night with uh, courses and and part of the one of the recipes. Oh, well, I did. You, you have to clean the cleanse the palate between. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> palate cleansing. Meal. We had, uh, I'm here with real pretentious redneck, Mister Bill. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, I'll stop. You carry on. With the, <laughs> We uh, yeah we had we did real well. I went and I, I went to the seafood market and uh, not uh, didn't didn't hold back too much. My my wife wasn't with me, and when my wife's not with me, when I do grocery shopping, things tend to get expensive. The budget gets blown out the window, and I get what I like to eat as opposed to what I can afford. Some days. <laughs> so <laughs> no. you went to the you went to the seafood market. Like you gotta be careful. You cook all that stuff. You could catch the COVID. I was, yeah, I was waiting to see how you think you should uh, <laughs> yes. talk to that one. But we've got a, a local uh, seafood store called Johnny's uh, Fish Market. And, uh, uh, I go there not very often because I can't really afford it, but I bought, we bought some scallops and I bought mussels. So scallops did, and mussels. Uh, yeah, that was the, we did, we did the meal in courses. So the first, first course was I did some scallops on the, on the stove, which I typically don't like to cook on because I like to do the barbecue stuff. But while the uh, jalapeno, bacon-wrapped jalapeno shooters yeah. Yeah, were cooking on the charcoal barbecue, <sighs> I did the scallops. And then no, after that, hey. yeah, the white wine came from uh, <laughs> don't, the don't. mussels. Say a box, please. <laughs> <laughs> please, a little bit of redemption. The white wine came from a box. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. It didn't come from a box. The white wine came from a bottle. My wife picked it out and was quite proud of her selection, to be honest with you, because we don't typically drink white wine at all in this house. So, But when you're cooking with it, some of it spills into the glass as a taster, and you have to <laughs> and then, show and then your you buddy gotta Todd ask, what to do. <laughs> you got to ask social media, do you drink that with your pinky out, or are you yeah. a pinky in kind of person? Yeah, I, I'm put it in the glass and, and make sure it gets in India before it hits the ground. So no, we're, we did uh, 
We did a and then I did a actual uh, a pizza on, on the grill too. I think I might have sent you a picture of that one. And that oh, pizza you did. was awesome. That pizza turned out so good. I was so happy with that. So it was yeah, more redneck redneckish. So I didn't bother sharing that to make yeah. fun of you on Facebook. <laughs> I noticed that. I noticed you just left the, the most of the good stuff out, and you, you put the wine glass in there. So, but the, the chops and the steaks, the venison chops and steaks, did turn out well. And and uh, for for your local friend there, uh, I did get that venison in the fall with my family in the hunting trip, which I talked about before. So I didn't buy it, or it wasn't given to me. <laughs> did much. somebody comment that? I missed it. Yeah, yeah, when you did. <laughs> yeah, she commented with all that almost guy stuff. Uh, question is, where did he get the venison? <laughs> and I thought, yeah. <laughs> clever, yeah. clever comment. He spent Friday so. driving down here to pick some yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> Todd mailed it. <laughs> yeah, so oh, that so was that the, is the awesome. cooking side of it. Yeah, so, and then I, I did uh, on, on Saturday. No, actually Sunday morning. It was Sunday was a very busy day for me, but Sunday morning, Hunter and I. Uh, uh, stripped down my 16 foot aluminum fishing boat, uh, took all the the floors out of it, the old king, all the electrical stuff, stripped it right down to the bare bones where it, where it was when it was coming out of the factory. And and uh, now I'm starting the overhaul project of uh, putting the new live well and the, the bilge pump and the, the deck and the floor and all that stuff back in. So, right on. Yeah, and uh, that's that's pretty much. That's a good little project. Mind. We did that to buy. I just have a little twelve foot John boat, and uh, me and Megan did that a couple years ago and put the floor in. And I think I shared that last week that, yeah, or a previous podcast that uh, I might have. I wanted to to make the make it look like a bass boat, but still keep it as a as a John boat, shallow water kind of deal. And I yeah. put that fishing deck up a little too forward and high and. You stand on that, it's going to be a whoopsie. But yeah. <laughs> the engineering side of your IT brain didn't really work out. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no. Yeah. But it looks good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, oh. we're excited. We're excited. It's going to take a little while to uh, to put together just with time. I was going to say, when are you going out? Because season's well, on, the kids man. Are fishing. Yeah, kids are fishing tonight. They were uh, sitting in the, the, the boat on the trailer in the backyard with a little foam casting dummy uh, thrown into the lawn, and, and Violet and Hunter were trying to catch it. So I think the hint is there that we need to get this thing finished sooner as opposed to later. So, when your kids are on quarantine, what they will do. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So that was good. She had, she had her tackle box out there and was going through the lures and and she, uh, and she was having some fun. So that's awesome. Anyways, yeah. So you, how'd, how'd you do? This, oh, this I, I haven't done a whole lot. I, it's been well. I haven't. I haven't. It, it's it not my own stuff or getting out fishing or scouting or doing anything. But Dad wanted to build this cottagey type deal in his backyard with a front porch shed thing that he can sit at. So. We uh, we framed it all up and built the trusses and got all that jazz kicking. So we got that all all that stuff done. And now he's ordered some steel for his roof. And we ordered some uh, I can't think hemlock trees oh, hemlock. Are, are being ripped down. A buddy of ours has a lumber mill, so he's gonna rip down some hemlock and we're gonna use that as the walls. So it's got like a like a board and batten finish. So it's like a barn look. Yeah. 
So we did that. And then my daughter works at the gun club uh, most weekends in the summer for big shoots, banks the cash so that then she has this thing with it's like a fetish of redoing her room with different furniture. So like two years ago, she had to buy this egg chair thing. Now we're we're over the egg chair thing, which is awesome because now it's in my living room and I absolutely love the egg chair. And so now she had to buy new dressers and she's bought a new bed that is going to match the new motif of her room. And so I spent a couple days in, I don't know what you want to call it, JISC nightmare or Ikea nightmare. Oh, uh, yeah. You're brave. Right. You're brave. Stuff shows up and, got a, and she's got a broken foot. No wing wang stepped off the back deck wrong and twisted and cracked the top of her foot so she's in a boot so she's gotta she just sits there handing me screws and parts while i put it together does it all go together right you know what we didn't have any i was impressed last night we built the dresser and i didn't have one part left over that i'd be like hey why is that left over (laughs) so (laughs) i consider that a success What's that? Yeah, that is. You followed the instructions. I did. I absolutely did because it wasn't mine. It was hers. And I'd feel horrible (laughs) with her own money that she worked hard to get to put it together. And then the ultimate test was we built it down here in the in the kitchen and had to carry it upstairs to her room and it didn't fall apart. So I'm I'm claiming success. I would say that would be a win. Yeah, my wife, uh, she stayed away for the most part because something like that coming into the house is usually uh, followed by a a call to the lawyer in uh, in most cases. She's like, oh boy, divorce court, here we come. (laughs) (laughs) But you managed to to keep it together and and stay together, which is good. Yeah, so now she's just sold her bed and I had to disassemble it tonight. So that's all I've been doing. And uh, it was an Ikea bed, so now she sold it so that she can buy the another bed that she wanted that will now make the motif of her room flow. So. You didn't have to paint. No. Yeah, no. If, if, if there was painting going to be done, that would be her gig. Yeah. Yeah, we just finished that in my daughter's room. I think I said that a couple weeks ago. But, yeah, she wanted her room completely done. She saved her money and, you know, bought the... Uh, you know, some supplies and we, we made a, a deal and a bargain, but I'll, I'll do most things, but I am not a painter. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. I, I, See, and my wife, is, she's a machine on painting. Like she will knock yeah. out a room like nothing. So uh, that's our trade-off. I'll put together furniture. She could paint, but yeah, no. Too, I, so too your daughter particular. too, it blows my mind. When I was their age, like my daughter's 12, I mean, I, I, that, that was video game Mecca, right? Like, I'm trying to think if it was it was post Nintendo, it would have been Sega Genesis, maybe. I don't know. But I was I worked at the gun club so I could buy video games. But the first NHL that came out would after with my with my working at the gun club money. And here she is buying furniture for her room. (laughs) Like unless it's the girl versus boy difference. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe she's just getting ready to move out maybe in no doubt i'll get the truck loaded up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no yeah well i guess when i was her age you didn't even know i had anything in my room because it was just a sea of of mess i mean i made you'd make a pathway yeah. to wherever i had to go so i never even thought about the motif and the flow but yeah, some kids don't change though so. <laughs> so that's uh, you were uh, <laughs> you, you've been uh, been shooting too, or you're, you're well, away. 
Yeah. So finally, right, we're the the COVID bull crap that's happening, and you got to social distance and all that, and everything shut down. And I'm not arguing it in any way, shape, or form. Megan has juvenile arthritis, so she has to give herself a needle once a uh, once a week, which lowers her immune system. So she's a, a high at risk. So we're doing everything possible to ensure that you know we're super super cautious on that on the COVID front. But uh, so when I say COVID crap, it it's I still uh, my personality is such that I just want to go like this is crap, but I can't because I still got to be cautious of uh, of my daughter and others that I'm around. So I've been dying to get to a gun club, and finally a couple weeks ago we opened up members only. Thank goodness, so we can get out there now. And really, it's trap shooting, right? Like that's that's our our love is shotgun sports period but trap shooting is the number one it's the biggest probably uh registered event i would say or organized event in ontario that that happens so trap shooting becomes your your love because that's what the the big league is right so so yeah so when you get out there it's social distancing anyway you're outside you're at a gun club man so you're not really you if you want to stay away from people it's pretty easy to do sure what's uh I mean, the distance between stations on a uh, uh, trap field is, is greater than what the government is asking for, for social distancing. Like, yeah, like exactly. The, the new route, the new rules for a gun club, you don't need to have a reduced squad number, do you? Sorry, say that again. The, re- the new rules for the COVID don't demand that you have a, a reduced squad number. To keep no, no, because you yeah. go out there with, with five on the line for trap shooting, right? And so yeah. it's always been, what, six or less. So we were sure. good before the new rules came in, and now they're saying 10 or less. So now you're, you're really good. But even then, at the five or less, you're still that massive feet between you at each station and and there's yeah. there's a, a gentleman or two wearing a mask and and everybody else is just kind of keep their distance and have brains about you so it's it's easy going you're outside and it's nice weather and you're yeah, in, you're get much better you, yeah you've had a lot of really nice weather over the last couple of weeks to to practice the shotgunning sports and yep i i unfortunately have not been out but i'm living vicariously through you guys and, and what you've been doing on the field and Oh. Your dad has been smashing. Them. Well, like, and that's the, I said, it's got to be the fact that like he, he can shoot good. Like don't, don't get me wrong. And absolutely he can roll some, some scores, but to go out after not shooting forever. Right. And, and when you were shooting, it was like 50 targets every other week or whatever in our winter league and you're bundled up and like you, it's, it's t- difficult to concentrate on a good day, let alone shoot with all those clothes on where your gun doesn't fit the cold weather, your fingers are frozen, the winds in your face, then it's not really, I, I still would say that's not practicing properly. Right. Cause when you go to like a big shoot or a registered shoot, which is what you want to practice for, cause that's the show. That's where you want to win. Right. Is a, an ATA shoot. So when you go to one of these, shooting all winter i mean it keeps you practiced for swinging and stuff but it's really not practicing what what i know you bill as somebody that wants to practice how you're going to be shooting in a competition and like super anal and do everything practice the same way you're going to shoot it's not so when we went out there after after the winter and then not shooting for months because it was just plain closed and then dad rolls a like a 99 out of 100. Now, it's still just practice, but still has dropped his last target. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So it's like, yep, oh, just like riding a bike. And I'm like, or 
you just maybe forgot all your bad habits. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he's just been hammering them. We got uh, we got a new load. I'm reloading for four of us now. We all chip in money, and uh, normally Scotty would come over and help me because I got I got some loaders downstairs and I got them set up identical, and so we could just knock them out. But he's claiming COVID, so I'm loading for four of us. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my so, workout yeah. now, but. Is it time? Is it time that we start talking? Maybe, uh, maybe do do a conversation about trap shooting. I think we on, should. On I think, and not even just trap shooting, but but sport shotgunning, like it, it versus hunting. I think would be. A, a, I think I think it's, it's, it's perfect point. time. So I mean, you know, to start the conversation off a little bit. Unfortunately, we've we've seen notification online that due to the COVID. The trap shooting clinic had yeah. to cancel. Yeah, we had to cancel it. It's just whether we could have made a sacrifices here and there to make it to make the and what what Bill's talking about everybody the redneck country trap shooting shotgun and clinic, which we kind of cater to the the hunter that's not really got into trap shooting or to even the new newbie if i could say newbie hunter that or, or even the one that's having a hard time hitting stuff and it's just kind of we go through the basics of proper shotgun fitting and and how to mount the gun how to make sure you mount it the same every time whether you're hunting whether you're in a blind or we take it that step further and we get everybody comfy on the trap line going to a local gun club around here which the majority are trap clubs because that's what ontario due to due to real estate and everything else there's not a whole lot of other uh events hosted for shotgunners but we, we go through that well you got to kind of get everybody in the morning into the clubhouse and go through that stuff and so we could have maybe made concessions and done it outside and but still you got you're 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 having to get close because you're doing yeah. what I call like the pokey gumby, right? Like put the shotgun yeah. up and then you're moving their arms and they're moving their hips and and kind of can I touch you <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, it's so, hard to do that with uh, six foot sticks. Yeah, right. So, so it was just you know what, and and then even then with all the restrictions on and you get twenty five people out there. Yeah, is some neighbor gonna call or have a problem? Right. That, Right. And then, I mean, yeah, okay, you're fine, but having to justify it is just, uh, you'd just be into a headache. So the Redneck Country um, has done a couple different clinics. One one is the Trap Shooting Clinic, which uh, I've actually attended two of them. Uh, three, maybe. No, you came as an instructor to at least one, right? Yeah, we we worked well and had said yeah. It was actually last year I, I was yeah. I got the got the honor to work with Terry a little bit to. Uh, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which was we can talk about it at another time. But I, I, awesome! That was a, I can't even hardly articulate the experience because it was so uh, beneficial to my trap shooting and my personality as a whole. Yeah, uh, how we I knew you two would sync. Great, that. he is so technical. Yeah, and and it just it sparked another interest it, and it opened up a whole different light, but. To, to start off with, uh, I was going to say the other element that you've done is the Redneck Country. Uh, was it the uh, Shotgun Classic or the, hun- uh, the Hunter, Hunter Classic? The Hunter Classic, which still Classic. might be so, on. So yeah. it's we've got it slated for August 22nd, which is a shotgun competition. So actually, I'm glad. Okay, I'm going to – can I hijack so this? Is this? Why, 
Yeah, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to this, dovetail into the differences between the two. So you thought I mean, that, but you are a smart dude because I wasn't with you. And you just mentioned that. And <laughs> yeah. I thought, holy crap, now would be a good time to go, okay, before I explain what the Hunter Classic is, because in order to understand the whole purpose behind that competition, you need to understand why we hold it and and therefore the the differences yep. that of between totally shotguns. It. So uh, this is why I'm here, my friend. Yeah, genius, genius. Wait a minute, like look <laughs> at that. You weren't the almost guy there, Bill. Like that—that that was impressive. I was—I'm actually. Uh, <laughs> people can tell we just have a candid conversation. So when something that like that, I just ruined the flow of the ultimate flow, and I apologize. Yep, but it was awesome. Did. It was awesome. <laughs> I just want to, hey everybody, let's let's take a moment of of silence and acknowledge Bill's beautiful lead-in. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay so all right so let's go why do we hold the hunter classic we're gonna get there what is the hunter classic we're gonna get there folks let me keep your interest so now you can tell i'm getting excited and and to keep your interest we give away a full-blown silversmith handmade hand silversmith buckle not a stamped out buckle buckles are we we both believe this i believe bill but buckles are one not bought and yep. uh, and we also now I think I messaged your wife a while ago, but it's been a while ago. I probably should touch base, but I'm, I'm good at putting people on the spot. So we also give away with that buckle. So that buckles hand tool by a mutual friend of ours. And I, I believe he still is a bull riding judge with the Ram Rodeo, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah Tom Howe, Cowboy Silversmith. And uh, so he makes us that buckle. And then and he is phenomenal. And then another phenomenal artist is Bill's wife, Candace, who makes us the belt to go with the buckle. And so she hand tools a leather belt like then. And both of these awards are so expensive. And luckily, they both do them for us at a great, great deal so that we are able to offer them. There's a reason that you don't go to a competition, a, a big, even a big trap shoot, and get us a, a handmade silversmith buckle or a handmade leather tool belt. And it's just because, I mean, the, the, the amount of work and time that goes into these things and the amount of detail and, and just the beauty of both, you just can't, you can't afford it, right, to, to give these out as prizes. So we're fortunate enough that we're able to make this happen from Candace Thom Leather Designs and Tom Howe Cowboy Silversmith. So check them out, folks, online. Plug, plug. <laughs> but they are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. So we, we give these away, and the whole purpose is we want to give people that typically don't go to a trap shoot or a big event where you would win a buckle a chance to win a buckle. And so it's still a big feat. I mean, winning a buckle to me is a big deal. And so we wanted to do an event where this would be opened up and get people in. And the biggest thing, and I'm going to get there. I know Bill's probably going, oh, you lost track, Todd, but I'm getting there. <laughs> so <laughs> the biggest thing that I feel keep people away or keep new shooters away from and people feel free to email me and message me and beat me up on this. But what I feel is the biggest reason a lot of folks just don't go to a gun club and they'll go maybe shoot clay targets out in the on the farm field or whatever is because of intimidation factor of the guys that are always there intimidation factor that they don't have. And what you would consider a target gun or a clay gun, a sporting shotgun, because they're not typically 
very inexpensive. They're, they can cost a little bit of money. And so it is not your everyday redneck out there trap shooting, sporting clay. It's getting to be that way, which is now awesome. But it's not really ever been. It's kind of been a, a higher dollar value end of the, uh, of the spectrum kind of thing. And so we wanted to be able to do this. So when we do this event, we say no sporting shotguns of any kind. And the reason for that is twofold. One, it kind of keeps the guys that are big time trap shooters, uh, big time sporting shooters away because they learn the sight picture of their sporting gun. They know where it shoots. It typically will shoot a lot higher than a regular hunting gun. And so the, my, my thought process is they're not going to want to come out and get beat by blow Joe Hunter with possibly his grandfather's bolt action shotgun because their timing is all thrown off. Everything's gone from what they're used to doing. We used to be doing on a trap line in a competition where everything just becomes quit thinking and you know the sight picture. Now that all changes because you don't have your trap gun. You don't have the gun that you've built that sight picture with over years to know when I see the target there, I pull the trigger. And guys that have hunted for a while, or even new shotguns, no, point and pull the trigger, cover it up, pull the trigger, and we'll hit just as many targets as you would if you were now trying to all of a sudden adjust to a hunting gun. So that's number one is the reason, and I'll get into that further. And, and number two is we want everybody to feel welcome. And you don't need to have, you know, uh, of 3,000, 10,000, in some cases, 20,000, in some cases, $30,000 shotgun in order to be competitive and win this buckle. So, so that is the whole premise. So now you're going to say, what's the difference? Sorry to steal your thunder. Well, so yeah, it's steal my thunder, but what I was going to say then is based on, based on that conversation there. And if I was listening to it and not into the shotgun sport, my, my first question would be then why would I want to spend that kind of money on a gun to do the same thing as a field gun. Okay, so brands aside, because there's a million, million, and, and I would get beat up if anybody from the trap shooting world, sporting clay world, skeet, skeet shooting world, anybody listens to this, they would beat me up for ignoring the, uh, or, or for pointing out the differences or the, the, the point ability and the balance and all that stuff. Right. So let's check that aside, right? Forget that. So Italian shotgun versus a German made shotgun versus a USA made shotgun. We're looking at features. We're not looking at the balance and that stuff. So the balance and stuff like that is to each and everybody's, personal opinion and a lot of guys feel that the the balance can play a, a big role so the more money you spend the better balanced gun you get and so we're going to leave that out amongst other things but that's just my example of what i'm going to leave out because i'm going to talk about the function and why what makes this gun a trap gun this gun a sporting clay gun and maybe this gun a skeet gun versus my hunting gun my Benelli Super Black Eagle 2, or probably the most common, the Remington 870 pump. That's what I shoot. Perfect. Perfect. Right? So the the biggest difference that I will say is when, a, when you're shooting trap, and, and so I'm going to talk about trap, and then I'll go into skeet and sporting clays and, and try to talk about each. But the trap is, again, because where we are, that is the biggest thing. And I'm going to get into sporting clays too, because it's really starting to turn on here and it's huge in the States. But so with trap, the targets are always rising. 
Always, right? So to, to help folks out, five guys go to the line, and I'm going to brush over this really quick. You can Google trap shooting, and you will see it is not skeet shooting. For everybody listening that doesn't know, they say, oh, I go shoot skeets. Skeet shooting is a different genre of shotgun sports, as is sporting clays, as is five stand, as is trap shooting, and, and many others that are now emerging. But And even live bird shooting is is huge in some circles but so with trap shooting which is the most predominant where we are and it is really it is a a powerful machine when you get into the what is called the ata amateur trap shooting association which is a giant league north american wide where i can shoot here at my home club at a big shoot with 250 guys i can then go to michigan and shoot against the same guy so just because they're not here and the guy shooting in missouri or the guy shooting in Michigan, or I can travel and shoot all of these shoots. They're all sanctioned by that amateur trap shooting association. And it's called the amateur trap shooting. It's as pro as you can get when it comes to trap shooting. So it only takes two things. What's Money that? And time. Money and time. Money and time. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of both. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that is the, the, this huge league. So you could shoot and all, it, as you shoot, you, you have averages and scores and it goes and you can win that individual shoot much like a rodeo, right, Bill? So you can win that yeah. individual rodeo, but your scores also count to like a year end. And so you're competing against everybody in north america to get to that year end and they have all american points and and everything you go to the state shoot you can go to the the grand america which is like the super bowl and uh, 10 days of straight shooting and like all all of this so all of that as a quick quick question yeah a big shoot like the grand how many rounds or how many targets would be presented to you it's oh you know i'd have to i'd have to look it up to drill it down a lot of guys some will go shoot the whole thing, but I'm, it's a lot like our provincials will throw with the preliminary days, we'll throw 900 targets and we do that over five days. So this, the grand is over even more than that with the preliminary days on the preliminary days. And so I would almost, I would almost guess that they would throw usually 200 targets a day, whether that's some facet of a, a singles competition where you're shooting 200 from the 16 yard line or a hundred doubles and a hundred handicap and so then multiply that over as many days as it's held and yeah you'd have all leading up and to the main events right which is like your your grand america and we can get into all of that i think that's another conversation yeah yeah. but but it is interesting i mean because you're shooting against a a lot of people in northern and it's really cool because i mean i've always said it's a league and if you got time to go bowling and money to go bowling, well, stop that crap and get your butt to a gun club and do something that's really fun. <laughs> All the bowlers are going to hate me, but that's my that's my premise because that's a big league and it it's awesome. So it's predominant because of our real estate and how our gun laws and everything else are. Trap shooting is the easiest for a gun club to run. Therefore, I, I feel trap shooting is that's why it's the largest where we are. And so with a trap target, back to the I keep diverting, but back to the differences with a trap target. It's always coming out of that house so you have five guys on the line you are going to shoot five targets from each station you're going to shoot one then the next person then the next person then the next person then the next person comes back to you until you've shot five and then everybody rotates and so that's trap shooting 101 that the trap is 16 yards sunk in the ground and it's throwing them at 42 mile an hour 
and it's on an it, the machine is on an oscillating uh, cycle. So you can't really guess where that target's ever going to be because it's got an interrupter and it's constantly isolating or oscillating. Sorry. And so you yell pull that target's coming out in some facet away from you and climbing. So it could be a hard right away from you and climbing or straight away away from you or climbing anything in between all the way to a hard left. And so the whole purpose and you don't need and now I'm going to I'm going to get real close to the mic folks cuz you don't need a trap gun to shoot trap. But it sure makes it freaking easier. <laughs> so <laughs> the whole purpose is if you're shooting, if you get your trap gun and you get it so it's shooting higher. So a hunting gun is you're going to, and, and follow me on this, people. I'm going to try to do this without video. You're shooting at a, at a dot way out in front of you. And you don't move that gun and you pull that trigger. And you're doing that with your goose hunting gun or your duck hunting gun, I hope, and the majority of hunters, I mean, you can customize it all you want, but the theory behind it is 50% of your pattern is going to be above that dot and 50% of your pattern is going to be below that dot of all that shot coming out so that you cover that circle, that target, as much as you can, right? You can make a mistake up. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. But, no, I was just going to say, you can make a mistake left, right, up, down a little bit. You're still going to hit that that target. And that's the theory is you want a flat shooting gun so you can cover that animal up, the goose, the duck, the rabbit, and you don't have to have thought of, oh, I got to float it, you know, two inches over my bead and pull the trigger. None of that. That goose is cut. You put it up, cover them up, pull the trigger. So that is the hunter's thought process. Yeah, and just just to clarify, there's a difference between pattern density and and the pattern itself. Meaning that no matter if you if you have a, a full full choke or light mod or whatever, fifty percent is still going to be above, or fifty percent is going to be below. It's just a different density of that pattern. You got it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Exactly. So just just to clarify that, as opposed to your chokes don't make the difference. Uh, in this scenario, it's no, it's, the gun. it's just yeah, okay. you got it. Just how tight that pattern is to how wide of a spread it is. Right. Yeah, yep. exactly, exactly. So, with with that thought process, that's your hunting gun, right? So you point it, you pull the trigger, you're gonna cover that circle. In trap, because that target is always climbing, always at 42 mile an hour. I want to take as much human error out as possible. So if I'm moving my gun it, too much, it's going to give me more human error. The more I have to move my gun, the more I have to track that target, the more mistake I could make swinging left of it, right of it, higher, lower, whatever. I, I stopped the gun too soon. A myriad of mistakes could happen. I want to be able to move that gun less. The less movement, the less error. Okay, so and anybody that's done trap shooting, I believe would attest that a trap gun to me, I've said this, I say it to everybody that asks me why, why a trap gun, because it's cheating straight up. If you go out and shot trap with a hunting gun, it if you had to shoot 100 targets in a row in a 40 minute period with only taking breaks between 25 like you do at a competition and you got to focus that much, the amount of time you've got to focus on that target and track it with your gun when it comes out of there at 42 mile an hour with your hunting gun, it's a lot of work and you will be mentally exhausted if you want to hit every single one of those and track it, track it, track it, track it, pull the trigger versus 
what I call cheating. So now let's fast forward and we'll take my trap gun, for instance. So I shoot a Super Black Eagle II for goose hunting, flat shooting gun. I put that on a piece of paper. It is 50% of my pattern is above that dot and 50% is below. Now you take my trap gun and I'm probably a little more on the extreme side of somebody that would be just doing it after a couple years. So if I go and I'll, I'll pattern it at 30 yards roughly. So at 30 yards, I will point at that dot and I will pull the trigger and my pattern hits that 13 inches above that dot is where my pattern starts. So if I was to aim at the dot at 30 yards and I pull my, my I pull the trigger, there is no shot on the dot I was aiming at. You go no 13 inches. 13 inches above. You yeah, the take a tape measure and measure up 13 inches. That's the bottom of my pattern, is where my shot starts. So that's the purpose very high <laughs> it, 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 and i just recently raised it because as you it, you find it gets it, it's too much work moving the gun that much when you've got to shoot that many targets in a row and so once you do it i don't tell anybody to start that high absolutely not and it, you will progress because you'll be like man it's just become too much work to track it to, i've got I'm, I'm still moving the gun too much and you won't realize it until it becomes too much work and you realize I'm moving the gun too much. I'm just going to raise it just a little bit and shoot a little bit higher. And then it's, oh, oh, that's so much easier again. I don't have to move it. And it, it really, that's why I say it's like cheating. So I put my gun up and now when I'm on the trap line and I call for a target, that target comes screaming out of there at 42 mile an hour. I feel I have to wait for that target to clear my barrel and get above it. And now I can shoot so much quicker. And again, speed is not what you're going for. And I say again, I haven't said this yet, but speed is not what is speed is a byproduct. And it really, you should not care how fast you shoot. You want to just make sure you hit them. However, because I, I'm so high at shoot, my, my gun shoots so high, I have to wait for that target to clear my barrel and get to the height I need it to before I can even begin to start moving my gun because I'm shooting 13 inches high. I can shoot faster or I do shoot faster. Not trying to, it's just the byproduct because my gun is shooting that high. I only have to move maybe three quarters of an inch. Now I still have to move because Again, when you when you let that shot come out of the end of that barrel, it, you want to make sure that it's moving in the same direction as that target's moving so that you, again, get maximum coverage on that target and you can spread that shot coming down your barrel across that target. So you never want to stop it moving. And we're going to get yeah. if I go down this road, we'll get really technical. So I'm just going to yeah. I'm going to stop there, but give that reference that I'm shooting that high. And so, that's typically what a trap gun does. Now, there's some guys don't shoot that high. There's some guys you, that shoot higher. You've mentioned it a couple of times, Don. I'm just going to uh, ask for, for clarity. Um, target picture. Uh, explain explain uh, what, Absolutely. You, what you think uh, is there, what, you, what you can tell us is target picture. So for me, as you shoot, you're going to, it, it, okay, let me let me prelude that with a quote. And, and, and so many people have said it, I can't nail it down to one person. But in order to shoot good, you can't think. 
if you've thought, it's too late. You've overthought. So you've got to turn your brain off. So, well, what does that have to do with sight picture or target picture? or what? Well, for me, it is just knowing and, and uh, developing because I've shot so much and I've shot that gun so much and with minimal adjustments from where I maybe just raise it a little bit, but I'm cognizant. But knowing where my gun shoots, it's now a sight picture that my brain has automatically adopted. It, I guess that's as simplest as I can say it. So I know when to pull the trigger. And I can't necessarily tell you, Bill, when I'm on the 16 yard line, where I, I exactly pull the trigger on those targets when they come out against the skyline. Yeah. I, I can't, I just know. And that to me is sight picture. I know when that, when that target comes out and it crests my barrel, I know when to pull the trigger in order to break that target. And that the, is developed sight picture is yeah, knowing the, where that target needs to be with relation to your barrel when you pull the trigger without yeah, looking at exactly your barrel, by the way. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's the picture you see that immediately before you pull the gun in your subconscious that is learned through repetition. That's absolutely. And that's why you say all you need is time and money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I think the one thing that uh, just to ask you another question for clarity, just to not get too deep in the technical side, is you mentioned that your gun is able to shoot 13 inches high. How? How, how from a field gun to a trap gun, can you get your gun? And I, and I don't need the specific no, no, no. Uh, I get it. tweaks, but just the generic, how yep. are you able to I do was, that? And I was right with you because I was thinking that as you were talking, I'm like, oh, I didn't explain how I get my gun to shoot. And you led right in again. Perfect. That's what Perfect. I'm here for. Bill, <laughs> the smart man. I see. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the uh, with my gun, so the whole how how can I how can I start this out? I'm gonna I'm gonna go backtrack and say when I started shooting trap, I did it with my dad's model 12. And it had it was just a hunting gun, but he would attach a piece of velcro over top of the stock. So he could didn't what wasn't super rich, didn't have a whole bunch of shotguns. So he had pieces of velcro on the side of his stock and a piece of vinyl that he would put over and Velcro it to the sides of the stock, which gave that comb on the gun where you put your cheek rise. So it's pretty simple to believe it or not. It's the fact that the higher it, you're, that, that, that stock comes on your, on your cheek, right? Like the higher you can build that up, it puts the gun on an angle. So you're going to shoot higher. It's just, that's how it is. You're, you're angling that gun up. And a, a lot of times, if you have a gun with two beads, you can tell. Because typically, if you're shooting a flat gun, you line those beads up, a bead in the middle of the rib and one on the end, you line them up um, horizontally so that they're straight in line. But that first bead is smaller, it will disappear into the second bead, you know, you're shooting flat. As you put something on your stock that raises it, you're going to see rib between your first bead, that little bead in the middle of your barrel and the far end bead. Thou so they're no longer uh, snowman looking. They're, they're, there's space in between. There's those some two. highway there. You got her. Yeah. Now you know you're shooting high. And so that's what trap shooters want because that, that target's going away all the time and rising all the time. Always rising. You're going to shoot it on the rise. So why not cheat? And so with my gun, I have the ability to uh, adjust it. That's why you'll see 
some shotguns, fancy shotguns, will have an adjustable comb. And so you can raise and lower that comb according to you on how high you want to shoot. The higher you raise that comb or the, the, the cheek piece, then the higher that gun's going to shoot. Now introduce adjustable ribs on top of that, and it does the same thing. The higher you raise the back end of the rib closest to the action, and the lower you, you put the front end of the rib, you're putting that gun on that angle again to get your sight picture back up. All right, bring those beads back, but you're, you're changing the angle of the gun so you can make it shoot higher. So you're changing what is called the point of impact. You're making it shoot higher. So now when I started, I grabbed, I had an 1100, 1962, I believe 1100 trap, and it has a Monte Carlo stock. So what's that mean? Well, that is, it's not a flat stock. There's not, it doesn't drop down into your shoulder like a regular hunting shotgun. It comes up a bit and square straight across. So that gun probably shot 65% high or what they call, and I'm going to get a little technical again, but, <laughs> and sorry, I'm trying to word it so I'm not, but it, there is no getting around it. What they call 65-35, meaning take that same dot you're shooting at, 65% of your pattern will be above it, 35% will be below it. So I'm shooting a little bit higher. So typically, now you fast forward to sporting clays. And a lot of sporting clay shooters, that's the configuration they'll shoot, is a 60-40 or a 65-35. And why? Well, they want to see that target all the time. You listen to any of these top sporting clay guys, and they say the number one thing is focus on the target, see the target. Can't kill the target if you can't see the target. So they don't want it to disappear behind their barrel so they'll shoot a gun just slightly higher, a 60-40 or a 65-35. And again, it, it comes down to preference of shooters, right? On yeah, and, and not to get too deep into the technical side of the disciplines, but uh, on the trap field, what you said, target's always rising. Yes. Sporting clay, it's not necessarily always rising. No. Gosh. So, no. Uh, you know, and I, and I don't want to get too deep into that on this podcast tonight, but it's the difference between the target presentation as to what the needs are you got if you're shooting at a duck or a goose coming out of the out of the marsh it's not always necessarily going to be rising to be dipping and diving or coming through and you want a different setup well you know on a trap field that target coming out of a house at 16 yards or, or greater is going to be going away from you and it's going to be going up yeah. <laughs> so you can yep. predict better what the setup of your gun needs to be to the target that you're presenting Exactly. How, how the target's presented, I should say. Yes, absolutely. And, and again, I think even more important is you know where your gun shoots. True. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And because yeah. that, A, the gun's got to fit you. And I mean, you can get into all this stuff. And really, the reason that my comb is adjustable, you get really fancy guns. Like these guys that, that I, I shoot a Caesar Guarini uh, retail value, you know, it's probably around $8,500. Uh, for a combo that's with an unsingle and a double barrel and the same same action and same stock but you just can interchange the barrels so you can shoot doubles or singles and so guys will shoot a twenty thousand dollar Kriegoff. well those guys have shot so much that a lot of them don't want an adjustable stock they're they've been there they've done that 
they know where they want that gun to shoot. They don't ever plan on changing. My dad is what? Never plans on changing his shooting style, never plans on getting faster, never plans but on... I, I tell you what, though, what your dad might have done is changed his gun fit because he lost weight. He lost weight, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, he struggled it, with that for the through the winter months, I'll tell you that. Because, because those guns that don't have the adjustability that are custom-made for an individual... You gain 10 pounds and you yep. change the, the your face, you know, your face gets yep. fatter or thinner for that matter. And your shoulder now fits differently. Absolutely. Right? And, and but now, mind you, the guys that af- that usually can afford these guns that they're putting these stocks yeah. on, the stocks <laughs> cost around five grand. By the time you buy the, the Turkish walnut stock that's got a really nice burl to it and then have somebody custom fit it to you. And that's going to be, I mean, that's a $5,000 gun stock. They got money that if they lose weight, they're going to buy another gun stock. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, to like, them, uh, it's the not a big deal. It's yeah. like the story I heard one time, uh, the, the guy went into the gas station uh, in the restaurant and saw that the nice Cadillac car sitting there and the old guy's smoking a cigar. And, and the guy says, you know, he comes up to him and says, well, how much does it cost to fill that, that car up with gas? Beautiful, expensive car. The guy says, son, if you need to worry about how much it costs to fill this car up with gas, you can't afford to drive it. You got her. <laughs> Amen to that. And that's exactly it, right? And so that, Bill, you don't know it, but I think you led me into the segue that I wanted to make sure I covered when we were talking about this. So Gas stations and cars? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because <laughs> the affordability, and that's the next roadblock that people say they don't get into trap shooting or sporting clays or skeet shooting is because the they can't afford it they i can't afford to buy the eight thousand eighty five hundred the fifteenth hour the twenty thousand dollar shotgun and i want to say you can you don't need to right and so absolutely don't need to and nowadays you can get in the game just as as far as i'm in the game spending a tenth of the money which is absolutely awesome and remember your analogy because i'm going to need you to to bring me reel me back in after i go on this little bit of a tangent but um but so the whole purpose of uh, the the trap gun with the adjustable comb and and everything is so that you can adjust it and make sure it fits you because fit is possibly the number one thing that you need you need to mount that gun the same every time so why so you have the same sight picture so your brain can recognize it so that when you see that sight picture and you pull the trigger that target breaks bottom line take your thinking out of it don't overthink it it's just got to be the sight picture and pull the trigger that's where that target's got to be against my barrel and shoot it so where's my target well i just recently went and shot sporting clays and I have two combs for my gun, meaning that cheek piece I can raise and lower. I could take right off and I can put another one on. And I bought two so that I could I could raise and lower it without a, ruining what works for me today, but I could still experiment. So I could take this comb off and go, okay, that's the one that shoots 13 inches high. And I can set it aside. And it's I put it back on, it's going to shoot 13 inches high. I'm good. I did not change nothing. I grabbed my other comb and put it on. Now... I'm free again. I can move this wherever I want and experiment and see where I want to shoot. So to me, that extra comb was a decent investment to to buy that piece for my gun. Absolutely. So guys want to go shoot sporting clays? 
Typically around here, there's not a lot of organized competitions for sporting clays. It's usually a practice, a fun day. It's 100 targets, and you'll get four or five guys in a group, and away you go through the woods. For those that don't know what sporting clays is, you go through a field, through woods, wherever. You will typically shoot 100 targets, and they will be in various different types of presentations. So, for instance, you will walk through the woods. There will be a nice little uh, pressure-treated wicket. You'll stand in it, and then targets will come. And they will either come from your right, from your left, from behind you. They have a, like a rabbit that'll run along the ground. It rolls along the ground really fast. So it'll bounce if it hits a twig. And so it'll, it, targets could be coming towards you, going away from you. And I mean, they get into all kinds of fancy target presentations for days. You know, the Shondell or the tower shot or the rabbit that I just explained. Anything. And so you got the incoming crosser and uh, the, everything. So you typically don't want to shoot 13 inches high because what if a lot of these targets are coming in towards me now not going away like a trap target but coming towards me and dropping well now i shoot 13 inches high i really gotta shoot low yeah to get that because it's coming at me and dropping so now what's the problem you gotta think you gotta when you think you miss. It's got to be you instinct. Miss. It's got to yeah. be that sight picture, right? And so that's the the biggest thing to me is knowing where your gun shoots and sight picture. So I went sporting clays and I didn't change my stock. And I actually had guys say, "Wow, you did per- you did pretty good." And I'm not gonna say my score to toot my own horn or nothing, but guys were saying this last Sunday, Todd, that was pretty good score. And I was shooting my trap gun that shoots 13 inches high, and I was surprised myself. But I didn't, I made a point of not thinking, let my sight picture, let my, my, my gun just know where that target's got to be when I pull the trigger. And I actually had a guy, the three, the the guys I was shooting with three in a row missed the same target. We had to, there was a, a report pair, meaning when you yelled pull, you got one target on the sound of your gun, another one came. And the first one came whipping from the right to the left fast, about 35, 40 yards out. And on this, you shot at that one, the minute your gun went off, one came out over your head and dropped right down in front of you from way up high. So they, uh, the, the guys I was shooting with all went before me and a lot of them missed that first one, that hard one that was, it was flying kind of away and crossing at 35, 40 yards really fast. And I hammered it every time. And, and I remember this because the one guy said, what, how far out were you leading that? And my dad will talk about lead. Oh, you got to be four feet in front of that goose when it, they're far, that far out there. To me, I can't, adju- I can't tell you the lead and that's how I knew I was I was letting my gun do the work is because when I pulled that up, I couldn't tell him how far in front of that target I was. I just knew from shooting that gun so much where that target needed to be when I pulled that trigger in relation yeah, you're, to you're my in tune with everything. You're in tune with your setup, your ammunition, your, your gun because you've shot it for so long. It just it, it, like you said, if you think you, you've missed you, that's you don't it. have to have time to say, well, I need, oh, I'm only three and a half feet. Let's get another half foot in front of that one and then pull the trigger. 
it's too late. Yeah, it's too late. Point. You can do it on a goose, right? <laughs> First yeah. shot, you miss, you, you recalibrate and pull it on the second, you're going to knock him down. Uh, on a target, you don't have that luxury a lot of times. No. And so I just knew, and I couldn't. I said, I, you know what? I, I couldn't, I can't tell you how far out in front. I can tell you I was moving that gun pretty good. And I shot it pretty quick because, and I explained that to him. I said, look, the best target for me is a fast target. If it's moving slow, I think I second guess. By the time I've thought and second guessed, I've taken what I, some people beat me up on this, but I've taken what I call the muscle memory or the, the ability to not think and just let the gun shoot. I've taken that out. I've overthought it. I've second guessed it. Now I'm really trying to line up. Where does my barrel got to be on that target? I've missed. If I get a really fast target, I love them because I don't have time to think. It's like a rabbit that jumps out of the brush. You will shoot that rabbit nine times out of 10. Now you take that rabbit and have them run and stop and look at you and then start to run again. Well, now you're second guessing. It's that's a tough rabbit. But the one that blasts out of that bush and you're like, holy, how did I shoot that? Because it was instinct. Your, your gun, your eyes, your hands, they know where it's got to be. Yeah, I mean, when you get to a certain age, I don't even know, but that physics is, is you've just learned it. And yeah. your brain overthinks it. And that's where a fast target like that, awesome. So now I think, I, would, I said, I think I could shoot a better score. I don't concentrate. When I go to a sporting clay event, it is fun, man. Like I say, turkey hunting is fun and deer hunting I take too serious. Sporting clays is fun. Trap shooting, I'll take too serious, right? Don't talk to me trap shooting, but sporting clays, heck, half the time I miss the the pair they show you at the stations because I was too busy talking to the group behind us or I wasn't (laughs) caught up yet because I ran into somebody else. I have a blast at sporting clays. I don't even concentrate. So maybe I'll do worse. I don't know, but I always said I want to do a round and pretend it's a competition just to see how well I could do with my trap gun. And, I think you'd do worse because now you're, you're taking it too seriously and, and, and it, I may. pressure on yourself, right? And a lot of guys, like the one gentleman that I always go sporting clays with, uh, he he shoots one gun for trap and he has a different gun for sporting. And that's why I, I, I just, I have other shotguns and I do have uh, an over and under that I, it shoots just a bit high, probably 60, 40. I would take four sporting clays, but I don't know. I, I know where my trap gun shoots. Yeah. I'm just going to go and, and I'm going to and shoot it. And, and maybe sporting guys, guy, sporting clay guys will argue with me. And by all means, I don't shoot it enough to be an authoritative figure in any way, shape or form of that nature. But so now with all that said, that led me to the whole thing of your gas analogy in the in the expensive car. So, guys, the, the number two reason I believe a lot of people don't go to a gun club or won't come to a gun club or don't like too often is because they don't have that $10,000, $20,000 shotgun to set down beside the other ones. They've got their old 870 or whatever. And, well, why do it if I can't be all in? That's my personality, right? If I'm, why go trap shoot if I can't be 110% invested in that sport? And I believe it's yours too, Bill. When you do something, yeah, no, for be, sure. That's, that's, that's what we were talking about that with the boat, boat today. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it once and I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to do it all in and, and yeah. I'm going to do the best I possibly can. And that's just you how know, I am. It's just so, my personality too. Yeah. So when I go to a, I, I, I go out to a trap shooting, I want a trap gun. And yeah, I started with my dad's Model 12. I wanted a trap gun. 
And then yeah. I got that 1100. I wanted one that was adjustable. I need to shoot higher. I want to be able to adjust this thing so I could shoot higher. I went and found a BT99 Plus that I could adjust the, the comb, uh, my cheek piece. And then I have eventually graduated through uh, luckily being blessed <laughs> by some way to have a Caesar Guarini. And so to me, that is an expensive gun to others. It's not, but to me, an $8,500 shotgun is, is absolutely insanity. And yeah, it's an expensive uh, gun. It, it very well is. And I would not even think that you need this. So you don't need that to be competitive. And I say yep. this all the time. I look at the cover of trap and field magazine, which is put out uh, monthly with all the big winners of one of the big shoots and uh is on the cover often there's often there's a bt99 which you can buy used for twelve hundred dollars and so you can get in the game with that gun and be a trap shooter just like that for twelve hundred dollars and some guys will think that's expensive nowadays hunting guns semi-autos like your super black eagles they're up there anyway and back, I remember when I started, there was not a hunting shotgun I could find that was that expensive. So now it makes it a little easier to, to justify the trap gun at only 1200 used. And you just got to talk to somebody. But even now, and here's your, your gas analogy, they're making Turkish made guns that have every single bell and whistle possible. For a trap gun, a sporting gun, and I haven't talked much about skeet, but for a skeet gun as well, and a fraction of a, a what a regular trap gun, pro, uh, the cost of a regular trap gun would be. And you get the adjustable comb, the adjustable rib, you get the choke tubes and all that. And where guys will argue with me is you might not get that perfect balance. And they may say that that's it. I say, if you learn the balance of that gun and you build that sight picture, you're away to the races. You can That's now it. make that gun fit you with uh, a TriStar uh, up here in uh, where we're from. We have a company bringing in what's called a Canuck, and it has the adjustable comb. It's got the adjustable rib. It's got the double barrel. It's got the unsingle. It's got the choke tubes and all that. And you're less than $2,000 to, to put you in one of these. And so for me, that opens that, that world up to somebody that would go, I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to be a competitive trap shooter because I'm not going to buy an $8,000 trap gun. But now you can buy a $1,500 trap gun and you're just as viable as the guy shooting the $8,000, $20,000. And yeah. so then they'll be it, like, it, well, it, run 20,000 rounds through that gun and, and see if it holds up. Well, here's your analogy, Bill. The guys that are buying a $1,500 trap gun can't afford to run 20,000 20, rounds right. through that trap gun so they don't have to worry about it breaking. The guys exactly that can it. afford to run 20,000 rounds through their trap gun can afford a $20,000 trap gun. That's right. And uh, that's exactly the best best point that you could make there. I mean, it gets you in the game. The biggest thing that you've, you've just summarized a little bit about the difference between the two, you've created yourself uh, a, a gun that gives you the adjustability to make you competitive and give you the cheat factor, let's say. The cheat, yeah. For use that, it. The, the less, uh, less money expense. And at the end of the day, if you can have that adjustability, you can, and the, the look, I guess, because that's what you're looking for, uh, it may be for a confidence level. The, the, you're in the game. You can you go to a gun club, feel comfortable. So the two things that you talked about was 
why people don't go is because they don't have that gun and they don't feel comfortable at, at the at the club. Well, you've just taken that away by by giving a, a Turkish made gun that, that is getting in the game for a thousand bucks or, or twelve hundred dollars and and you're hitting targets and, and, and learning something too. And it looks just like that twenty thousand dollar trap gun. Somebody that yeah. doesn't know gun brands would not know. So yeah, and my wife has one and she loves it. Absolutely. You know, she doesn't shoot it enough and and the, the, the whole thing about uh, getting out there and, and shooting the gun, if you know where that gun shoots, it doesn't matter. You will learn to shoot better. You got it. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So. And, and really, so I, I hope I didn't get too technical and I hope I kind of kept it light and fluffy, but that's the difference between a hunting gun and a sporting gun. I think we, we covered it. A skeet gun is very similar to what I would say a sporting gun. The majority of guys want to float that bird. So they only shoot a 60, 40. They typically, a sporting clay gun is going to have 30 or 32 inch barrels and a skeet gun because the targets are closer and it's, you know, they're moving fairly quick at that close range. You're going to shoot shorter barrels, 24, 26. But I, tell you, I tell you what, uh, let's just, uh, for, for my setup, I, I got into the game, you know, shooting a, shooting my 870 uh, a long, long time ago. I started there. Then I got uh, a single shot, 12 gauge, no adjustable, grandfather's old gun that, that was just as good for jacking up the back end of your pickup truck as it would for for shooting <laughs> shooting targets and and i wanted i wanted a gun but i with a wife and kids it wasn't a priority financially for me to do that so i got the opportunity to to invest in a browning satori 325 grade 2 and i got gun case and the whole works for 1200 bucks to me at that point with time, an adjustable comb Truth, it did not have the adjustable comb on it, but it had the opportunity for me to put an adjustable comb on it uh, within the year. I, I bought it because it was a good deal. I bought it because it was over and under. It was a specialized gun that the guy was using for shooting uh, a trap and skeet just at yep. the local club. Yep. So there wasn't a, a ton of rounds through it. It wasn't a wore out gun. A great shape, all the uh, Bradley and Vector Plus choke tubes that you could, you could think of uh, needing for it. And I added to it. So even if you're uh, not buying that gun that has the pre-made solution for you, there's options out there to make that gun uh, adjustable. Absolutely, yeah. Whether it's the recoil pad or the, the grac coil to reduce the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the recoil on, on your shoulder yep. or the length, length of pull because you've got winter clothes on which we'll talk about another time or the adjustable cheek piece to give you the, the ability to shoot a higher gun. You can afford to do that and, and add those accessories on after. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it, for, for my, my side that got me in the game and got me a gun that I shoot all disciplines with. I shot international, which is a different discipline than trap. Yeah, I didn't even um, cover that because that is very, no, even more different. what I call scarce. I mean, there's guys yeah. that do it, but competitive-wise, I mean, it's Olympic trap. It's just... Bunker, uh, bunker style, yeah. faster targets, two shots per target. Anyways, it, it's different. And I, I'm able to shoot all because I can't afford to have a gun for ski, a gun for, yep. for yep, trap, right. a gun for international. I changed my choke tube. I, I know the difference in setup. Uh, or know the difference in the targets, which in my brain automatically adjusts the lead after the length of time that I've been shooting. 
and I don't have to worry about, uh, oh man, I don't have a, a skeet gun. Well, I don't have a trap gun specifically. I've got one gun that I've learned to shoot. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you. And now, I, you know, guys will argue with me, but after the sporting clay round I just shot with my trap gun, I didn't have, I didn't have to think. And I was hitting targets yes. that were dropping and rising and lefts and rights. And, and I thought, holy crap, why would I even bother changing my comb? Why would I bother? Yep. I'm just going to keep shooting it just like this. I know where it shoots. And, and that's I, it. I, I think a, a lot think. of times, a lot of guys get too caught up on the not having when, when they, they need to, to understand that what they do have is, is good enough and just yep. get you out there and Agreed. start to put some rounds through it. So. Agreed. And yep. So I think we did cover the difference. I hope we covered the difference. And the fact, yeah. yeah, you don't need to spend a whole lot of money. And folks, I am telling you, there is nothing in this world better than going out to the gun club and smashing 42 mile an hour targets. Or if you're an international guy, 60 something mile an hour targets. But yeah, there is nothing or even the sporting clay range and the skeet. I mean, you could throw targets out on the far. It just does not compare to a, to a, an actual, you know, thrower that's whipping those and, and shooting beside guys that that have shot and shot and shot. And it is just I'm telling do it. Do it. And then once you do that and you're hooked, well, we'll see you at the clubs and the ATA shoots and everything else. Because, I mean, there yeah. it is. I just don't know anybody that's done it. I can't ever see quitting. It's just that addictive and that awesome. I just love it. I think, it, I think that that's a good, good spot to, to not get too deep into it. But I, eventually, in another couple of podcasts, I'd like to start to talk about, you know, some experiences that you've had at ATA oh, shoots. Yeah, I think what, we, we come back to this. Because I think so too. Yeah. For me, it's not even the competition to shoot. I mean, that is definitely the, the, the one side of it, but it is the social time. And I yeah. mean, I'm, I like attention. <laughs> I'm that guy. So you put me at a gun club with 200 people that I don't get to see every weekend and that I can just perform. And I know that even if I make fun of them, they can't punch me. Because they'd lose their gun license. Yeah. <laughs> so look out. I have that really is the ultimate. We'll bring dad on for that one too. Because yeah, for sure. his his thing He's is got to, some good stories. Yeah, and to judge a shoot is not by how well you shot. I mean, that's one way, and we do, but it's not necessarily it is uh, you know how social it was how much fun did you have and his thing is how he puts extra lawn chairs out under our tent and we hang out there all day every day for however many days the shoots on it's how often were those chairs not empty for people yeah, walking by and sitting down and that's how he judges and that's absolutely it and so to, great, I way, think, great way to judge success oh it is and it, it is abs i have absolutely a blast i miss him so much i don't even want to talk about it right now just because of this yeah. covid crap we can't get out and do it and i miss him so much because i love i love getting out there and just cutting up and having a blast but it is so what it that, is yeah that and i'd like to talk about you know about the, the, the different loads and and oh and yeah well, there's so much we're going to come back to this topic to talk about, yeah right? so many times because we can get into you know even into stance and how to hold the yeah, gun and, sure, and, sure. and building we didn't even we didn't even scratch the surface of where this could go it just wanted nope. to get across the i think it was good to get across the difference on the guns because i think that holds a lot of people up and yeah again bring your hunting gun 
and give it a go because honestly i've had guys that they could they could do it with a hunting gun with a with a flat shooting gun and and yeah. they would they would hammer targets so don't let that stop either just be prepared that i know when you, once you you do it a bunch you're going to want to get into or you're going to want to buy a trap gun or a sporting gun for sure but if i can end this whole podcast bill leading into that hunter classic i think that would be awesome for sure. I just want to put one more thing out yeah. there before you, before you do that. I mean, if anybody that's listening has a question that you wanted to want covered for, for a future podcast, uh, with respect to this or any other topic for that matter, Todd is an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to the shotgun sports mm. and the shotgunning world. And I think that he is able to answer any question that I've ever had. I've bugged him for years on nitpicky little points that I think, you know that nobody else thought about but todd's thought about 10 times over Uh, let me and let me add on to that that the only reason is because i'm surrounded by guys that you think i've thought about it 10 times they've thought about it four thousand million times and and so like i said you mentioned terry terry jordan one of the top ata shooters in canada and if not north america i mean he is he is something else and the trophies and everything i hooking him up with you i think just in what three four hours you're inundated with information it's so much stuff that you you can't even imagine to think about going down that road of getting that technical and i don't ever see us getting that technical here no i don't think so and if so i think we'd have to bring terry on because he eats and breathes it and uh, but that's all it's me surrounding myself and just trying to pick up on on those things and really that you just reinforce the gun club culture bill is you want to get better at shooting you go to the gun club and just pay attention and and people talk and explain and hey what did you do there why'd you miss that or you know i'm gonna try this and and you'll pick up so much just from listening from that that it's it's unbelievable and awesome so so yeah no no no, that's that's absolutely and message us up for for sure by all means we got our emails our uh, B Tom. Now I'm going to say B Thom. B T H O M at the redneckcountry.com. And I'm T Millard, M I L L A R D, at the redneckcountry.com. Or even podcast at the redneckcountry.com. Or hit us on our Facebook page and we'll for sure we'll answer any questions you've got or, or get you to a club if you want to go out shooting with us anytime. Anything like that, but for sure. That's awesome. But yeah, it, it, should I should I finish then with the, the Hunter Classic? Absolutely. Because yeah, I, I started down that path and I diverted when we started talking about the differences between guns. And so now that everybody knows why the difference in trap guns, well, what is the Hunter Classic? Why do we call it that? And how do you win a buckle? Because buckles are won and not bought as are belts. And so <laughs> with it, what we do is I thought about it for years. You know, we do the clinic and, and we've done the clinic for six, seven years. And and we, we get so many people, I have so many people asking, you know, how, how can I come out to the gun club or how what's this or what's that? That I, I just, I wanted people to come out and experience it. And when I talk to hunters, their excuses, right? Well, I don't have a trap gun or it, it's that, or, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable coming out with all the same guys that are always there. And, and, and I say bullcrap to all that, but my personality is I, I can say bullcrap to all of that. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I would just go. And I know others aren't like Scotty's an introvert. He wouldn't go to the gun club if it wasn't for us. Like he, he said that. Yeah. He if said you, that before. Yeah. Too. If you guys don't go, I'm not going. And he, that's just his personality. So I get there's people like that. And I want to impress that 
to go. And so how do we, how I thought forever, how do I get people to see how addictive this is, how awesome this sport is? And so I thought, you know, everybody pushes back on me that they're not trap shooters. I'm not coming. I'm just a hunter. And so I thought, hey, this is it. We will host a competition where you can win a buckle because you're a hunter doesn't mean you can't win a buckle. And so let's do this. And so we will host a competition where you can win a buckle and a belt and you can't use a trap gun. You have to use a hunting gun. And as I said at the beginning, now you know why I don't shoot the hunter classic because I know my gun. I know my sight picture. When I see a trap target, I know where that bird's got to be, where that target's got to be over my barrel. It's just that muscle memory that if I tried to shoot a 27-yard trap target with my hunting gun, I don't even know where I'd put put that <laughs> that target on that gun. I mean, I would I would struggle. And now my ego would be at jeopardy. And ego is a big thing when you get into trap shooting. You'll find that out too. But my ego would be at jeopardy because I'd be getting beat by some guy that never shoots targets. And, And so therefore, it would keep the big trap shooters at bay and it would give that hunter the chance to see what a competition is all about. And that, wow, this is awesome. And that's what I wanted. So that's what we do. We say no trap guns allowed to the point where we have everybody stack their guns up in the gun rack. We number them all and we have a secret ballot that if you feel one of those guns is even close to a sporting clay gun, then you write that number down, put it in that box. Before we start, we check the box for the, all the ballots and uh, and we will take a look at that gun and, and rule it out if we have to, if if it's, you know, a sporting gun in any way. So it's got to be a hunting gun, meaning it's got to have a drop in the comb where you put your cheek. It cannot shoot high. It has to have that drop. And so we've had guys come out with their bolt action, grandfather's shotgun, and like that's, it's awesome. So what we do is we stack everybody up on the 27-yard line and we shoot 10 bird events and you're allowed three shots per target just like in a hunting scenario you have to use factory loads so we can't have guys loading up some crazy stuff i don't care what they are they just have to be factory so i know it's not like it's gonna blow a gun apart when somebody pulls the trigger and uh, we've done this for a couple years and we've kind of massaged it over time and we've always done it with a it's 50 dollar entry fee and we've kind of done it where you 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 lose your out. And so over the last couple of years, we've changed it up to a, an NCAA bracket style a little bit better, I think. And so we put everybody's name in a hat and we'll draw two names and those two guys will go to station one and then we'll draw two names and those two will go to station two and then we'll draw two more and three four five and etc so you're not shooting off against all five guys or 10 guys that are on that line at the 27 yard line you're shooting off just against that guy right beside you and so you will shoot both will shoot 10 targets the winner of those 10 targets will move on the the loser just gets an x and goes right back in the hat and then we draw another 10 names and they go to the line and shoot just against that other guy and it's double knockout you get two x's you're out and then we just keep going until we have a champion and it is that's a much better way because now now you're not traveling for five shots yeah (laughs) yeah it's double double knockout and it takes a couple hours i mean we're we only run one trap we could run more if we get enough but we like to we like to keep everybody close and it is not a typical trap shoot if you've ever been to a big trap shoot 
Yeah, you don't talk to people, right? You do not no. talk to somebody when they're in the middle of a round. You just, and you're quiet. You don't go near that line. In this, we got a speaker and a microphone, man. We are having a riot. We don't, it is just relaxed, laid back, absolute blast. And when guys hit that target on the third shot and that thing's dropping and they hit it, everybody cheers. I mean, yeah. and it happens often. And it, because it, let's face it, you don't come out thinking you're going to run 10 in a row every time from the 27 yard line with a hunting gun. You are not. And so it is, you got three shots. A lot of times you're using all three shots. It is an absolute blast. And so, uh, but yeah, August 22nd. I, I got hung up on that. I got hung up on that a few years ago when I was, uh, I went to the classic because I'm so used to standing on the trap line, getting one shot. Yep. I forgot to pump. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I get my gun. I, I missed the first one. Oh, I got two more shots. Yep. It, it keeps it fun. It keeps it exciting. I had a great time when I went a few years ago. And, and since you've changed it, I haven't been back just for timing and scheduling. But when did you say it is this year? August. We're tentative right now, and we're hoping because we are now typically – uh, the the clubs are open, right? 10, 10 people to a crowd and all that. And I think we, we could probably run it because it's outdoors. And as long as everybody followed the social distancing, I think we could run it and keep people apart. And and I, I think it'd be all right. I think it'd be a, a, a an easy competition to run during COVID. So I think it's going to be a go. It's August 22nd. And I keep saying we put guys' names in, but we were at the uh, a Rodney Big Buck show where they have some booths. And so Redneck Country went and set up a booth to advertise the clinic and, uh, and this Hunter Classic. And we were approached by some women. And uh, hey, Cindy, if you ever listen to these, it, we're actually going to adopt their idea. They said, what if you did a women's division? And so the one thing I've always said is you don't it, hormones don't come into effect for being a better shooter or not. I don't believe. Right. I, I, I believe men dominate the trap shooting world, but I just believe that's because of the population of who does it. There's more men way by a hundred times more men than there are women. So therefore yeah. the odds of men winning is greater. I believe a woman could beat a man hands down. You just need more women doing it to bring up the odds. And so I always thought, but they said, yeah, but you're, you're going to get more. And really the goal is to get people out to try it. And right. so if having a woman's division would do it, I, th I just, I told him, I said, okay, look, we just got to come up with the number of women that we would need in order to justify the prize and we can do it. So I believe we're going to, we're going to go ahead and do that too. So I'm probably going to have to talk to your really sweet talk, your wife now. Bill. <laughs> First time I'm hearing about this. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> no, that's good. She'll be, she'll be more than happy to, to do something, especially if uh, she hopefully you get enough people to, to, uh, to warn it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm really going to have to turn on the advertising if we're going to do it. I think we got to kind of almost commit uh, with the ability of refund versus the play wishy-washy up until the day, right? And, right. and so I, I believe we're it's going to be a go, and I just don't see why not because we're shooting practices now with with enough folks out there that it, it's it's not really different. You just open more traps and keep your social distancing up, and it would be it would be the same. It, responsibility lies upon everybody, and just. Keep That's your distance. It. So be smart. Yeah, I think it. I think we could do it. So anyway, we have uh, probably gone a little bit too long than what we wanted to, but I think this was a good one. And again, we are going to hit this. We're probably not going to do it back to back to back, but we will hit this topic 
a lot more, especially leading into goose and duck hunting, because a lot of these yeah, principles sure. will lead into that. And and yeah. if anybody knows us, that's that's our true passion is is waterfowling for sure. So, okay, that'll do it for today. So until next time, uh, on behalf of Redneck Country Podcast, I'm Bill Tom. I'm Todd Millard and Scott Goodall. Nope, I'm good. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> if you want to be part of the podcast, by all means, hit us up at podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Again, that's podcast at theredneckcountry.com. And be part of it. Join us and have a blast. I hope you enjoyed it. Sitting around the campfire having some fun.